Hej. Welcome back. The story I'm going to tell you this week is far from a fairy tale romance. A fairy tale romance doesn't usually start with a married man hiring an escort and then leaving his wife to marry her. And the characters in this story, neither of them can be made out to look like characters in a fairy tale romance either. The two people I'm going to talk about would never be the protagonist in anyone's story. But victims come in all forms, and only one of these two people is currently sitting in prison for trying to murder the other. Welcome to the podcast that reminds you, it isn't the boogeyman you should be worried about, it's the stranger you know. When Michael DiPolito first met Dahlia Muhammad in Boynton Beach, Florida in 2009, it wasn't exactly a match made in heaven. Michael was 12 years older than 26-year-old Dahlia at the time they met, and he had a criminal history that could be traced back to when he lived in Philadelphia, where he was originally from. After struggling with drugs and alcohol for years as a teenager and getting arrested for possession, Michael decided to relocate to Boca Raton, Florida, to go to a rehabilitation treatment center there. And it seemed like Michael had successfully hit the reset button in his life. In 1997, he was trying to stay sober and living in Boca Raton, where he had found work at a temp agency. But still, he couldn't manage to keep himself out of trouble. In August of that year, Michael was arrested again except this time it was for soliciting prostitution, a charge he pled guilty to. Michael's love life wasn't going so smoothly at the time either. He had met and gotten involved with a woman named Karen, but by 1998, their relationship had soured right as Karen gave birth to a son. While Karen and Michael weren't married, Karen knew that Michael was the father of her child. But Michael, he basically ghosted her, leading to multiple paternity suits being filed by Karen against him over time. It would be many years before a DNA test would confirm Michael to be the father. And just as quickly as Michael was ending things with Karen, he was already starting a new relationship with a woman named Maria. Maria, who shared the same Italian upbringing as Michael, seemed like the perfect match for him. Maria knew all about Michael's struggles with drugs and alcohol, but she was willing to look past that because she knew he was also kind and sweet and caring. In an article by New Times, Broward Palm Beach, Maria recalled her relationship with Michael fondly, stating, there was nothing he wouldn't do for me. And apparently, the feeling was mutual, because Maria stood by Michael's side, 
even as Michael got back into drugs and once again found himself in legal trouble. By 2002, Michael had relapsed, and he had also placed himself squarely in the highly profitable but highly illegal world of commodities fraud. Michael had first been introduced to the telemarketing scheme when he began working for a local crime family, but after learning the tricks of the trade himself, he branched out on his own, setting up two companies whose sole purpose and business was to cold call people and convince them to invest in foreign currency. Of course, it wasn't an investment at all. While investors believed they would earn a quick profit by taking advantage of the rising and falling exchange rates in foreign countries, Michael would actually just keep the money and spend it on lavish purchases. His scheme, though, it didn't go unnoticed. The U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission soon caught on to what he was doing and started an investigation, and Michael was arrested in March 2002. He was charged with organized fraud, grand theft, and unlicensed telemarketing. Although Michael pled guilty, he was still sentenced to two years in prison. And upon his release, he was placed on a 28-year probation and required to pay full restitution to his victims. But despite all of this, Maria, she stayed loyal to Michael. By the time they got married in 2007, They had already been together for nine years, and they had withstood more than most couples would ever face, including paternity suits and criminal charges. When Michael was released from prison, he continued his entrepreneurial endeavors, but this time he launched a marketing business he called Mad Media Inc. It's during this time that it seemed to everyone, including Maria, that Michael was determined to stay on the straight and narrow path. His marketing business was generating a solid income, and he was regularly sending the people he had defrauded the restitution checks. But that straight and narrow path that Michael was on took a crooked turn one night in October 2008. At the time, Maria was out of town, and Michael decided to call an escort to keep him company for the weekend. When he opened the door, he laid eyes on a petite, attractive young woman with long brown hair and green eyes. Her name was Dahlia Muhammad. Michael was instantly struck by her. So struck, in fact, that he forgot the years of loyalty his wife Maria had shown him during the most challenging years of his life, and instead started to want a new life with Dahlia. When Maria returned home from her trip, Michael surprised her with the news that she had not seen coming. He wanted a divorce. Three months later and five days after his divorce to Maria was finalized, Michael and Dahlia got married at a Palm Beach County courthouse. Their decision to get married on the outside seemed rushed and impulsive. And given the fact Michael had dated his last wife for nine years before marrying her, it's hard to believe that Michael felt the same level of confidence going into his marriage with Dahlia that they were right for one another. Yet Michael never seemed to doubt that Dahlia was the one for him. To Michael, Dahlia was like a breath of fresh air. She was exciting and she got him to do things outside of his comfort zone. And she had experienced her own ups and downs in life, just like him. 
After a failed relationship in California, Dahlia had returned to Florida where her family still lived. Boynton Beach had been home to Dahlia and her family since she was 13 years old. And it's where she found herself once again in 2006, looking for a fresh start. It's around this time that Dahlia got her real estate license, but whether it was her goal to make more money fast or the lure of entering a more exhilarating line of work, Dahlia decided to work as a professional escort on the side, which led her to eventually cross paths with Michael two years later. But Dahlia's history as an escort, that didn't deter Michael from marrying her at all. As far as he was concerned, Dahlia's days in the escort business were behind her, and they started their new life together. Shortly after getting married, Michael bought a townhome in Boynton Beach, and the couple settled in. And on the outside, everything seemed to be going great. Dahlia, who had always taken a lot of pride in her appearance, would spend most of her time working on exactly that, tanning, working out, and shopping. And Michael, he spent most of his time running his marketing business from home. But things seemed to take a sharp turn in their marriage almost immediately. It started with a series of odd financial and property transactions between Michael and Dahlia soon after they got married. Michael began transferring large sums of money to Dahlia, by some reports totaling over $100,000. And he also eventually signed the deed to the townhouse over to her name only. Michael would later say he thought the money was going towards a balance of Dahlia's personal funds that she had offered to contribute towards paying off his remaining restitution balance, which was close to $200,000. Michael would say it was his belief that money was being gathered in one large lump sum so the couple could be free of Michael's restitution debt. But that doesn't exactly explain why he signed over the deed of the townhouse to Dahlia too. It's just as possible that Michael was transferring his property and money to Dahlia to avoid making his restitution payments. But let's say for argument's sake that Michael wasn't trying to hide his money and his assets. Regardless, the money was going straight to Dahlia's hands, free and clear. And it was a lot of money which got Dahlia thinking that maybe she didn't want to give it back. And then, in July 2009, Dahlia reconnected to a former love interest, unbeknownst to Michael. The man, whose name was Mohammed Shihada, was a Boynton Beach businessman, and he had once had an intimate relationship with Dahlia that had ended before she moved to California. And since the time she had come back to Florida, they hadn't really spoken much. But suddenly, Dahlia was reaching out to Mohammed again and wanting to keep in touch. For Mohammed, talking to Dahlia again meant nothing more than just reuniting with an old flame. But over time, it became clear to him that Dahlia was looking for more than just a flirtatious connection outside of her marriage. You see, Dahlia had been enjoying the free reign she had over Michael's money, using it to buy expensive clothes, jewelry, and to get plastic surgery. But now, just months into their marriage, she'd begun to wonder whether she could enjoy Michael's money 
without him being in the picture. She had already grown tired of Michael's lifestyle, especially his daily regimen that consisted of a strict gym routine and steroid injections he constantly would ask her to administer. She was especially annoyed with, well, everything about him, including his decision to get liposuction to remove his love handles. Ironically enough, she had started to see Michael as vain and superficial, despite her own cosmetic procedures. And the couple had begun to get into disagreements, like any other couple. But Dahlia started to vent to others, particularly the men she continued to stay in contact with, that she was looking to end things with Michael. Which might sound fine if what she meant was a divorce, and that would even be understandable given how quickly they jumped into marriage. But Dahlia, she actually had other ideas in mind. Michael was still on probation after his release from prison, so Dahlia figured the most efficient way she could get rid of her new husband was to get him sent back to prison on a probation violation. Twice while out with Michael, police officers intercepted the couple based on an anonymous tip that Michael was dealing drugs. The first time, the officers let Michael go, after a search of his vehicle confirmed no drugs were in the car. The second time, though, police officers found two small bags of cocaine, coincidentally exactly where the tipster had said they would be. But luckily enough for him, they let Michael go after he convinced them that the drugs weren't his and he was being set up by someone. And he wasn't wrong. He just didn't suspect it was Dahlia who was behind it. Michael figured maybe his ex-wife or some of the bad associates he was tied up with as part of that investment scheme that sent him to prison were out to get him. And his paranoia only worsened when one morning he found a threatening note on his car that instructed him to bring $40,000 back to that exact parking spot and to leave it under the car behind his. He was so concerned for his safety that he took the note to the Boynton Beach Police Department, who, like Michael, had no clue what to make of all of it. Meanwhile, Dahlia was not getting the results she wanted. She knew that to get out from under her marriage with Michael, with his money, he would either have to go to prison or die. And the first option, that wasn't working out so great for her, so she started to explore the second. This is when Dahlia turned to Mohammed, looking for his help to resolve her problem of getting rid of Michael. At first, when she told Mohammed of her idea to have Michael killed, he didn't take her too seriously. But Dahlia grew more persistent with her request that he connect her to someone who could get the job done, until eventually she told him that if he refused to help, she would do it herself, and he believed her. That was when Mohammed decided to tip off the police about Dahlia's plans to have her husband killed. When police received the tip from Mohammed, they weren't sure it was credible. They needed more. So they asked him to arrange a meeting with Dahlia to discuss hiring a hitman, just to see how willing she was to actually go through with it. On July 30, 2009, Dahlia met with Mohammed in his car in a gas station parking lot. Mohammed told her he had a man for the job, 
but she would have to meet with him in two days to sort out the hit. Sure enough, two days later, Dahlia met with the stranger she believed to be a hitman in the parking lot of a CVS. The hitman was an undercover officer with the Boynton Beach Police Department. And what Dahlia also didn't know was that the entirety of their conversation was being video recorded. In the video, which is linked in the show notes, Dahlia is calm and confident in her decision to have her husband murdered. She's eager for this man to move forward with the hit, and at no time does she show any signs of hesitation. They plan what day would work best for Michael to be killed, with Dahlia even suggesting the man get it done on the day Michael planned to withdraw $10,000 from the bank for a meeting he had set up with a business associate. She told the hitman he could pocket that money, and the murder could look like a botched robbery. Okay, I'm gonna plan that way, and I'm gonna plan it with the bank. The thing is, you know, you gotta understand because after today, you know, I can't get a hold of you. If it doesn't work out the way I want, I want I'm safe, or you know, the way you know I'm comfortable with it at the bank, then you know, it's gonna have to be at the house. That's why I make sure that you're not gonna be home when no one else is not gonna be home. When you gotta tell me, like, okay, are we looking at Wednesday morning or yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday is the day I'm gonna the money. I'm gonna go for the money. If the money doesn't work, then I'm gonna have to do it before then. You know what I mean? Like I said, I have a small window. You know, at the house or the money. If I don't get it by the money, then I'm, I'm done. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I won't even get paid. Right. Because, you know, you know, so that's my way. It's a short window, so I got I got plenty. I got, you know, I got to have people up here. Um, so Wednesday, you know, he's leaving 8.15, 8.30. 8.15. Oh, he's going to be home? He wants to be at the bank when the bank opens at 9. Okay. Can he walk from the bank to the, is it like walking distance or you got to drive? To be a partner's office. No, he's going to get him a truck and drive. Okay. All right. Um, He'll get him the truck and he'll drive. Okay. Sure. All right. Okay. Um, let me see. i got one more thing for you. Though. But what I wanted to say to you is that I wanted to make sure, like, for example, like, okay, this shit doesn't happen Wednesday, Thursday morning, for example, you don't come and I'm, I'm there, you know? At the house? Right. Like, I want to be yeah. sure, like. You know, if, I, if I, listen, if it doesn't happen by Wednesday, uh-huh. All right. When the hitman gave her a chance to hit the brakes on the plan, Dahlia was adamant. She wanted her husband dead. Which is why I say that, you know, between now and when it's done, you know, you're not going to have an option to change your mind. Even if you change your mind, And with that, the Boynton Beach Police Department had what they needed to arrest Dahlia, but they decided to keep the facade going. 
The show Cops was actually filming with the department that same week. And so together with the show, the department decided to set up a fake crime scene the day the murder was supposed to happen to capture Dahlia's reaction. Of course, first, they let Michael know about the hit on him. And on the date he was supposed to be murdered, he was instead tucked away safely at the police station. On the morning of August 5th, Dahlia went to the gym, which was part of her regular routine, but it was a location she had made sure to tell the hitman she would be at during the murder so that she had an alibi. While there, Dahlia received a call from an officer telling her she needed to return home immediately. When she got there, she was greeted by a squad of police cars with flashing lights and yellow crime scene tape across her front door. To anyone watching, including Dahlia, something bad had happened inside of her home. And Dahlia knew what that bad thing must have been. But of course, she pretended not to. When the officer told her of her husband's death, Dahlia put on the performance she had prepared for this exact moment. I'm Sergeant Ramsey. I'm, I'm the one that called you. Thank you for coming. I'm sorry to call you. Listen, we had a report of a disturbance at your house, and there were shots fired. Is your husband Michael? Okay, I'm sorry to tell you, ma'am. He's been killed. No, 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 He's, no. he's been killed, ma'am. I'm sorry. No, he's not. Listen. No, no. Try to calm down. No, Listen, no, right now, what no, we, do, we need to get you to the station. No, we need to get you to our police station. I, we, I can't let you stand, ma'am. We have to do our job. If you want us to find his killer, okay? We need you to calm down. I'm going to need you to go with these detectives, okay? Does he have enemies? Is there anyone that would want to hurt him? Okay, who would want to hurt him? Witnesses said they saw a black male running from me. I can't let you see him, ma'am. Ma'am, I cannot do this right now. Ma'am, I can't do it. Detective Yopi, I need you. I need you to take her to the station. I can't. Ma'am, go with these detectives. If you want to help your husband, okay? If you want to help your husband, you need to go to the station with these gentlemen. And tell us everything you know about who he knows, who he's connected to. Don't worry, we've already taken care of dogs with animal control for right now. Everything's under control. And we'll take care of everything else, okay? Thank you, guys. At the police station, Dahlia was questioned while she was still under the belief that Michael was dead. She made sure to point a finger at mysterious people who may have wanted Michael dead in connection to the investment fraud he had served time for. She even made sure to turn on the waterworks when the detective stepped out of the room, knowing she was on video. But about 10 minutes into her interrogation, the police let her know that they were done playing her games because they knew all about the hitman she had hired. A hitman that Dahlia learned for the first time was one of their own officers. Okay, the game's over with. Okay, there's no more games with you and I. Now we're gonna get down to serious business. I wanna know if you know this guy. Come here, bring this guy in here. Get over here, get over here. You know who this guy is? No. You've never seen him before? I've never seen him before, ever. Do you know her? Put your head up and look at her. Put your head up. I've never seen him. What were you doing coming out of her house? Out 
You're going to jail today for solicitation of murder. You're under arrest. That's an undercover police officer. We filmed everything that you did, recorded everything that you did. You're going to jail for solicitation of first-degree murder of your husband. I didn't do anything. Did you hear what I just told you? I heard what you said, but I didn't Everything, listen to me. Everything has been recorded. You were photographed in the convertible when you sat his car in the front of CVS. What do you want to do? What do you want to do here, Donna? Listen to me. I didn't do anything. You're going to jail. I didn't jail. do anything. Please, I didn't do anything. Tell me you didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. You're going to jail today. As soon as I'm done, oh they're going to come in here and handcuff you and take you to the Palm Beach County Jail, book you for solicitation of first-degree murder on your husband. Your husband is well and alive. Thank God. Oh, yeah, thank God. No, he doesn't want to see you. I'm so to see him. He doesn't want to see you. Please. You better quit your plan. Listen to me. Oh my God. I want you to quit your acting and get this over with. I'm not. Yes, you are. Okay. You know what? You need a real good attorney. You need a real good attorney because we're going to show him the film where you say you're 5,000% sure you want him dead. You think I made that up? You think I made that up? It's exactly what's going to happen. I'm putting talking with you. When I leave this room, no other officer will ever talk to you again. The next time we see you is when you're in trial. And they did see her at trial, all three of them. Even though Dahlia was charged and convicted of solicitation to commit first-degree murder and sentenced to 20 years behind bars in 2011, that conviction was overturned on appeal three years later. And even though she was retried in 2016, her second trial ended in a mistrial. It wasn't until Dahlia's third trial in 2017 that the conviction stuck, and Dahlia was found guilty of solicitation once again. She's currently serving her 16-year sentence at a correctional facility in Florida. As for Michael, he has found love again and eventually got remarried. And remember the son he had that got lost in this story somehow along the way? His lawyer was quoted in a 2010 Sun Sentinel article as saying, Paternity tests have confirmed Dipolito is the boy's father, and Dipolito plans to do what's right and is looking to build a relationship with his son. I hope he did exactly that. As for Dahlia, to this day, she contends she was set up by the police and that she never intended for her husband to actually be killed. I don't know. I'm 5,000% sure she knew exactly what she was doing. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. It helps to leave a review and a rating, so if you have a second, please show it some love and thank you. If you want to follow the show on social media, you can do that on Instagram at The Stranger You Know Podcast and on Twitter at TSYKPod. And if you have a story about someone you thought you knew who turned out to be a stranger, email it to Podcast at gmail.com and I'll share it on a future episode. Until then, trust no one.
As for Michael, he has found love again, and eventually he got remarried. Remarried? Remarried. She knew all about his struggles with drug and drugs. When Michael Dipolito, 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 Michael was 12 years older. 12? 12. Shh. 